Career Day Live is a Stop Clowning Around production. You can learn how Stop Clowning Around helps people succeed in life and career by mastering the art of connection and relationships by visiting StopClowningAround.com or Facebook.com forward slash StopClowningAround. In this episode, our guest Beth Smith, a high-performance home realtor with Remax Results here in the St. Louis market, shares what it's like to be a realtor. In case you have ever wondered what the life of a realtor looks like, this is your show. So let's dive right into the interview. Beth? How did you end up in the world of real estate? Well, my journey is probably a little different and maybe more circumstantial than others. Um, first of all, my husband has told me literally for decades, I really think you should consider being a real estate agent. I think you'd be really good at it. I think it would work well for our family. And I never had any interest at all. Um, I said, people don't really like real estate agents a lot of times. They kind of have a bad reputation. But uh, several years ago, um, my mom had some health issues and required in-home care and was no longer able to live alone. So I quit my job without a thought-out plan, just knowing that she needed me. And I have a family member, actually I have a a couple family members who are real estate agents and my cousin stopped by one day for lunch and he said, what is your plan? And I said, I don't really have one. And uh, he said, you know, Dwayne's kicked around real estate and said, I should consider that. And he said, you should, you should try it. So I signed up for my classes, took my required hours, took my test the next day and the rest is history. So did you really have any idea what this role would really be about other than the circumstantial things you've heard or maybe read about? Not a clue. I had (laughs) no idea (laughs) what was involved in the complexities and the responsibilities of a real estate transaction. Well, let's explore that a little bit. So here you are. You take your test. You're now a real estate agent. You still got a lot to learn. So how did you get this education? How did you become a success like you are today? How how do you even start when that happens? There are various ways that someone can get their required education to, in order to be able to take the real estate exam. Um, several brokerages offer classes and they have their own real estate school, you do not have to join that brokerage in order to take their education program. In fact, it's unbranded. So whenever you go to their classes, they're not allowed to market their brokerage, their logo or anything like that. It's all ambiguous. Um, You can also take classes online. And so I went ahead and just jumped in uh, with both feet and went to one of the brokerages real estate school. However, the thing that I, that I learned 
in the classes is they really teach you how to pass the test. Um, so they give you a lot of Socrative method of deducing to the correct answers because in real estate, that's how we learn. No transaction is ever the same and you have to be able to deduct what is the moral ethical answer and to dig and find the best option for your scenario in each situation. Now that sounds interesting, but yet it also sounds a bit intimidating. Still yet, I, I have my license, let's say. I'm sure every state is a little different, but to the best of your ability, how do you get going though? How do you join an agency? How do you how do you start? It's one thing to take a test. It's another thing to really start this. Correct. So you finish taking your classes, be it in a classroom setting during the day, there are evening options or online. Once you finish that, then you go and you take a test. And there's a portion um, with a national test, and then there are specific questions to your state licensure. And so once you pass that test, your results are turned into the state. And your license is then issued to your brokerage. So you choose a brokerage and you interview brokerages almost as if you're hiring them. You're joining them. You're working under their umbrella, but they hold your license and you are making money for them. So should you choose to choose a different brokerage, that income goes with you. Your clients go with you. Um, and your sphere of influence, uh, you'll hear people refer to your SOI, the people you know and rub shoulders with. That's your, that's your bread and butter. So you want to interview a brokerage and make sure that their structure works for you, their commission rate. You need to find out how they pay out, um, the benefits, not as far as like health insurance and things like that, but how many copies can you make per month? Do you have an office space? Do you pay for a desk? Um, are they going to pay for your marketing? There are just so many facets. Um, online um, document storage, online document signature options. And so you just have to start sifting through and say, what am I bringing to you and what are you offering to me? And then you can negotiate that. So really, you're not as much an employee as a lot of people like to think. They they own you because they give you a salary. You're more of an independent contractor who is earning your own income, and they're providing an umbrella for you to work within. That is correct. You are an independent contractor. You are responsible for your business. They oversee your business and keep you from what I jokingly say, real estate jail. Um, they make sure that you're adhering to all the proper guidelines, the code of ethics, um, and that your documentation is all legal. And that you are, you are making your own money, and then there's a split. So we can get into that however whenever you want to but we'll dive um, into that in a little bit of how that's done okay. but i just wanted to clear up the fact that 
you know, often we think of uh, a lot of job opportunities or job roles truly as, again, I say job. Someone kind of owns you, you give them hours, they give you money for working those hours. And that is not the case in this role. This is more of you own yourself, you make as much money as you're willing to work for. It's all based on your success. In return, the way I understand it, you're actually paying them a little bit of your income to have their support and their umbrella. Yes and no. So a, an, a real estate agent is not allowed to accept any form of compensation outside of their brokerage. Everything has to run through the tip of the umbrella and then it gets funneled down. So you get paid a commission and commission is somewhat performance-based because that's how you get your clients, but commissions are pretty well set. So the seller of a property theoretically pays the bulk of the commission because they have the asset. So if I list their home, that commission would be a percentage. So some charge seven, some charge six, some charge five, some charge four. That's negotiated between you and your client. Then that commission gets split between the buyer's agent. So if I list it and I do not bring a buyer, which happens, or which creates dual agency, but if someone else brings the buyer, then that commission gets split. So let's say, for instance, this is a common number. If a listing is taken at 6%, the listing agent brokerage retains 3.3. The buyer's brokerage gets 2.7. So when that property closes, a check is issued from a title company for whatever that amount may be. And then the listing agent would get a percentage of that percentage. So then that 3% is what's negotiated when you join a brokerage. And the payout may be some agencies start you off at 60%, some start at 70%. Some brokerages have a cap, and once you reach your cap of, say, $15,000, so you get paid 70%, they retain 30%. Once that 30% of your transactions in that year reach $15,000, then your percentage can go to 95% or even 100% of that 3.3%. So kids, if you're in school and you're learning percentages and fractions, pay attention if you want to become a real estate agent. It's important to know that you're being paid correctly and know what your earnings can and should be. And that's uh, pretty much any sales role is based on a commission of some sort. And that's good advice there, Beth. Mm -hmm. Let's actually just step back a little bit. You've given us a really good understanding of the industry and, and how it works in theory. And I know every agency is going to be slightly different and probably every state might be slightly different. But as a whole, I thank you for that good understanding. But here you are, you're an agent, an experienced agent. Can you give us a little insight of what a typical day, a typical week might look like? I know it's going to have a variety of activities going on, but if you can just summarize what your life looks like, that would be great. Wow, that is 
a tough one because you're on call 24-7. And so you can get up in the morning and you have desk work to do. So today I have two contracts to enter into the system um, that went under contract. And I can have my day planned out that I'm going to be working at my desk. And then I get a phone call from a buyer who says, hey, this house just came on the market. I'd love to see it. So you drop everything and you run and you may go show two or three properties. Um, later today, I'm meeting a county inspector at a property for an occupancy inspection. And so I may get through those appointments. And guess what? When I get through those, I come back and I still have all this paperwork sitting at my desk. So sometimes I'm sending out emails at 10 o'clock at night or I'm getting contracts in. But you have to have somewhat of a flexible personality in order to do this job. Now, there, I'm not saying it wouldn't work for someone who's very regimented, but you do have to be willing to go with the flow often. Wouldn't that possibly be a perk as well, though? Because if you're able to go with the flow and your schedule has that much uh, fluidity to it, I would assume that I could also take part by going to a child's soccer game or basketball game because I'm in control of my schedule. Uh, is that accurate? That is 100% accurate, and that is one of the things that I love about my job. However, sometimes our gifts can also become our curse, and those of us who love to work and we enjoy working we have to be willing and able to set boundaries and realize when we're in a meaningful moment that we let people know I'm unavailable for this time to this time and really focus in on what matters. And I have found that that could be my Achilles heel if I don't rein it in. However, my husband and I had our 25th anniversary last year. I had a listing coming on the market. Things, things were flowing quickly. And we took a trip, and I was standing on the beach, loading up my clients' pictures, getting the listing ready to go. And it was a beautiful thing. I was working, I was helping my client, and yet I was able to celebrate something very meaningful at the same time. I have often told people about my job, and and I will withhold what I do. I'll simplify it for those who are listening. I, I am in a sales account management role No, I haven't done an episode on my job title. Maybe that'll come down the road. But when people ask what it is about my job, what do I do, I've learned that in some ways it's actually somewhat difficult to describe. But I tell them the thing I love most is I am working all the time and I'm playing all the time, which basically means no matter what time of day you see me, I could be working or I could be playing. I could be playing right during what would most would consider normal business hours, but I could also be working what most would be considered normal TV watching hours. So um, I personally enjoy that flexibility that, that you mentioned as well. I think most sales roles have that uh, component to it. But I appreciate, again, what you said so often. I think people who thrive in these types of roles have a little bit of competitive nature to them as well, so it can drive you to overwork or put work at a higher priority than things that should be raised at a higher level like family. Exactly. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that I quit my job to take care of my mom, and for many years, 
she came along with me. You know, she met clients with me. We did client lunches together. She would come to the office with me and everyone would get to know her and love her and make her coffee and chat with her. And it, it really created an outlet for her until, you know, time and age uh, took us a different direction. But I could not find another job. Maybe it's out there, but I was not able to find something that offered me that privilege to be able to take care of my mom, the privilege to be able to earn a living, and the privilege to be able to service other people in the process. And it was just a beautiful marriage for me personally. And that was what I wanted to touch on, and I'm glad you went there on point number three. I happen to know you and know a little bit about who you are at the core of your heart, but to me, it would seem that in addition to flexibility, one of the things you thrive on is the ability to help others uh, in a time that can be very stressful for many. Uh, Is that a correct statement as well? That is correct. I would say that I am a... And overall, people people pleaser. I like it when people are happy. Um, and that is my objective and my goal. And I often tell my clients, this is my job. Your job, it, you may be a nurse, you may be a doctor, whatever your job is, my job is to make this as pain-free as possible. So, you know, when it comes time for inspections, occupancy inspections, I'm not going to ask you to take off work to meet the county inspector. That's my job. That's why I get that commission. So today I'm going, I'm opening the door, I'm facilitating access so that my client can continue to do their job. That's my job. And it, I just like making it as seamless as possible for my clients. You know, Beth, you mentioned at the very beginning that sometimes real estate agents have a uh, get a bad rap or maybe a bad reputation. And I think you could say the same about car salesmen. Uh, these are the people people <laughs> think about when they think of a salesperson. And I hear all the time when, when people hear about my role, oh, I could never be in sales. I couldn't push for that transaction. I, I couldn't be that pushy is kind of what I hear. And I want to ask you, do you feel that you actually have to push or is your just interest in helping others enough to get the business you need to survive? I feel that it's disingenuous for me to push something on someone else. For most people, this is the largest investment one time that they will make. It's a long-term investment often for people. And it's supposed to be a place where you enjoy coming and there's peace and it's a shelter at the end of the day. And the last thing I want is for someone to feel like I pushed them into something that wasn't a good fit for them or that they weren't already in love with. And then they're stuck. I mean, it's not easy to just sell a house and walk away. You're there for a while. And so I tell people often, I want to remain friends six months to a year from now, so you're not going to get any pressure from me. If this isn't the right thing for you, we'll keep looking until we find the right thing. And you may show dozens and dozens and dozens of houses until you find the right thing, but eventually you'll find it or they'll be content to stay where they are, and I've maintained a friend in the process. And just to add... For those who have listened up to this point and say, man, this really does sound interesting, but 
they have the fear of being pushy. My experience, and I believe you would agree with this, Beth, is those who are what I call transactional salespeople, they tend to be more pushy because they are worried about that transaction. They tend to be short-lived because successful Mm -hmm. sales representatives, and whether it's in real estate, automotive, any industry out there that you're selling in, the successful people are not pushy. They just help people solve their problems because they realize the gold is in the long-term referral and the continuing business, not in a singular transaction. 100% agree. I prefer a relationship over anything else. So if maybe this isn't the right time, it's not the right thing for you, will you just refer me to someone? And can we maintain contact and maintain a friendship until the time is right or we do find the right thing? And I 100% agree. I'm investing in people, not just real estate transactions. Well, Beth, again, you're successful. Uh, My experience with the agents that I've met in my life are a little bit all over the board in their level of um, how, how much they want to work. I, I know some who are who carry a license just because every now and then they want to do a personal flip. I know some who do this full time. I know some who just want to work 10 to 15 hours a week. They're not even in it so much for the money as much as maybe extra spending cash. I want to direct this next question, though, to a person who has dedicated their career to being a true real estate professional. That means they're spending a good majority of their hours dedicated to this. We talked about how the income kind of breaks out and how that works and how you're an independent contractor. I know from experience that independent contractors, the range is going to be extreme just based on, again, what area you're in and how hard you're working. But is it possible to give our listeners just an idea of what an average agent who really is giving it a good go can earn? That is a tough question to answer. Um, I would say... Because because here's the thing, you can be working 40 to 60 hours a week, but based on the price range of homes you're selling, that's going to impact how much you bring home. Sometimes you have to work smarter instead of harder. Um, but at the same time, you work with smaller priced properties because it, once again, we come back to relationship and referral. So I, I can't even begin to say what someone would probably make. I would say if you're hitting it hard and you're averaging, say, 20-plus transactions a year, um, that you could bring home thirty to 40000 And I'd have to, you know, run some numbers and, I apologize, I didn't, I didn't do any research on this, but, um, you know, starting off, you've got to lay a lot of groundwork, and depending on the health of the market, some agents work really hard, and they may bring home 20000 Some agents have good years, and you bring home 100000 You set goals. Um, you know, last year, I think I did five points. Two million 
in revenue. Um, so it was a good, not personally, but in transaction revenue. No, I understand. So by the time you run the percentages and the math, and you know, it can be really good. And then the market can fall off, and all of a sudden things look very different. <laughs> um, Another tip for anyone looking at this when life is good, be stocking away because nothing is forever. That's right. That is right. That is right. Well, you know, I think um, you gave us some good info, and you're right. I know the range is all over the place. Um, there, there's some of those TV shows you watch where they're listing multi-million-dollar homes, and that that's all they do. And you know, here where I live in the St. Louis area, you know, depending whether you're in the city or suburbs, you could be listing anything as low as eighty thousand on up to six, seven hundred thousand. So that range is is definitely. Uh, it can be a drastic range, and I understand that there's no real science. What I heard you say, though, is one can make a decent living doing this. Uh, it's it's Absolutely. something you can you can carry a family, you can support a family, or you can just be a you know, a supportive person to your to your spouse's income. It it provides a, a great flexibility and a great way to earn income, and you definitely defined that for us. If someone wants to get out a calculator and get online and look at uh, what homes are going for on average in their uh, area, I think they could be able to define pretty quickly of what they could make if they gave this a go. So I do appreciate that. And I will say, realistically, anyone starting out, my situation was so unique because I technically was the second income earner in our home. So that really is a little bit of pressure. But I would say if you're just starting out, you need a strategy for the first year. The first year you are learning, you are laying, laying groundwork, you are gaining notoriety, you're establishing yourself. So don't think that you're going to go to real estate school and then the next month have an income. It it takes a while. It's you know, it's like getting a spinning wheel going. Once it's going, thing you know, you start getting referrals from past clients or then your past clients become second and third clients. But for the first year, you really need to plan ahead and have a strategy. No, that's good advice. Again, we talk about independent contractor. The reality is you're an entrepreneur and just like anyone who starts a business Money is not there immediately. So even having a nice little nest egg, if at all possible, is probably wise. Right. Well, Beth, I want to jump into really the final part of this conversation. And we touched on it a little bit at the very beginning. But I've listened to this episode. This sounds like something I want to do. I love houses. I love looking at a real estate. I love uh, helping other people. And I now know I can make a living doing this. Can you just kind of walk us through, maybe in your experience, who are the people who tend to be successful? What qualities do they bring? And then if you could even walk us a little bit down the avenue of uh, how to get in there. I mean, you did that at the beginning, really. But just anything that we possibly missed on what one needs to do if this sounds interesting to them. I would love to say that you really need to be a people person in order to do real estate, but you really don't. Not everyone who purchases a home is looking for a new best friend. 
Um, I, I would say that you have to be conscientious. I would also encourage you to be a person of character because if you are, if you do not have character and ethics and morals, you could find yourself getting in a mucky situation. So you need to be a person of character. Um, someone who's inventive because circumstances arise in transactions where there's no clear-cut answer. So how do we come to a resolution? You have to be someone who has negotiation skills or can learn negotiation skills. And sometimes I remind myself and those who I'm working with, we're all on the same team. We may be serving in different capacities, but one client wants to sell, one client wants to buy, and guess what? We both want to get paid. So how can we agree to come and meet in the middle? Um, I think it helps to become a peacekeeper where it doesn't become adversarial or argumentative. We're not, we don't need to fight about this. Let's come to an agreement. Um, but again, hard work, innovative, and uh, conscientious with character would be things that I would encourage. There are people who do this job who maybe don't strive for those things, but those are important things to me. As far as getting started, I would be more than happy to sit down for coffee or lunch with anyone and kind of help them research what options may be available to them. But you can go online and just start looking up real estate education opportunities and then meet with some brokerages. You know, you can you can look and see who's out there. You can call me. I can recommend some people that you can interview with and just start educating yourself about what type of business you would like to be affiliated with because they are all very different. Um, I had a unique circumstance this past year where my previous brokerage closed my location. So change was coming that I wasn't thrilled about. And so I said, well, if change is coming, I'm going to take control and decide where the ship is going. And so I did start interviewing brokerages, and I learned so much and was so glad that I met all of the people that I did and came to a conclusion for a variety of reasons of the brokerage I'm affiliated with now. Um, But it was a really good experience to see the different opportunities that are available with each one and what's a good fit for you. You know, as a little bonus material here for anyone who's stuck with us this whole time, a lot of people think interviews are for the company to interview you. But regardless of what role you're going for, they actually gain respect when you interview them. Because then they realize you have confidence in who you are, and you're not just looking for a job, you're looking for a place to call home as well. So always remember that. That's a little helpful tip for anyone looking for any job is remember it's as much about you as it is them and you have the right to interview them at that time as well. Absolutely. Come with a list of questions. Could not agree more. Well, Beth, I want to explore one final area. I think so many young people are pressured into going to college or going to high school, get your degree, go to college, get your degree, then start working. 
there's a couple realities that are happening in our day and age. Number one, a realization that maybe not everybody is cut out for college, at least immediately. Also, not every job out there requires a college education. And the third thing is, college is getting really expensive and in some cases doesn't necessarily have a great return on investment when it comes to what you do uh, versus how much you paid to get that degree. Now, I want to be very clear with everyone. I am a fan of college education. I personally think if you can get the education and a degree, you should. It just brings confidence to you, but often it does not change your career. With all that said, do you feel a college education is required for this type of role, or is this something you can do based on the continuing education and the coursework that you do to begin uh, to become licensed? A college degree is not required to do this job. Education, absolutely, but you do not need to invest tens of thousands of dollars in a college education in order to be able to be a successful real estate agent. And then I would add on with one more bit of knowledge that even if you get a college degree, if you are not continuing your education throughout the remainder of your life, you will not be successful. So education and continuing education is always critical and important. Beth, I want to thank you for taking this time with us today. You helped me better understand this role. You helped every listener better understand what it might mean to be a successful real estate agent. I appreciate your investment in all of us and just want to say thank you once again for being with us today. Thank you for the opportunity, Scott. This program is only possible with the support of guests that care about helping others find their calling. If you or someone you know would be interested in sharing, please email us at cdl at stopclowningaround.com. What do you want to be when you're older, when you're big and a little bit bolder? 